You're listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is Pastor Steve Nanny, and today we're going to be picking up Sunday morning service where we've been studying the book of Nehemiah in a sermon series called Build. Today we're actually going to be wrapping up Part 10 is today, and we're going to wrap up the book of Nehemiah in chapter 13. Let's listen in and see what God has to say to us today. I just want to do a quick review before we read. We're going to jump around. You might be already staring at Nehemiah 13 going, we're going to be here a minute. But just hang on. We're going to jump around that thing today, and we're going to have a good time. Are you glad you came to church today? Say amen. Aren't you excited about what God's doing in this place? And if you're not excited, you're just not paying attention. <laughs> or you either just can't get excited, one or the other, which we need to talk about that. So in the book of Nehemiah, remember this is a post-exile a memoir, basically, about this man, Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. And when he found out that the walls of Jerusalem were still in ruin, he asked of the king if he could go back to his hometown of Jerusalem and rebuild the Jerusalem walls so that God's city could be strengthened again. So remember, they were defeated by the Babylonians. This is the end of the 70-year exile. Nehemiah goes back. Last week, we talked about in Nehemiah 11 how it takes people to strengthen a city. To strength. The more people that are involved in the work of God, the stronger the work of God is. And in chapter 11, they talked about how people needed to come back to the city. They were living out in the country and in the highways, and so they needed to come back into the city. Then in Nehemiah 12, we see the dedication of the wall. We see this grand worship service. If you remember, there were choirs on the walls. These are the same walls that people said not even a fox will be able to stand on that wall, and it'll fall down. And instead, what they did, we had a choir on each wall. They had a magnificent worship service. And what we talked about last week, remember this, that worship is declaring the perfection of God in an imperfect world. I, I know your life's not right, but God is. I know you came in broken. God's not broke. Right? You may have limped in here on three tires this morning. That's not God. You might have came in here on fumes and sick and coughing and hacking and, man, I'm, life's just terrible. God's not terrible. God sits high on a throne. His strength, his majesty, his kingdom knows no end. He's worthy of your praise whether you feel like it or not. Because if you feel like worshiping, like today, you like God down, you're like, that's all right. I worship that. That's what we do, right? I've been in church a long time. So have you. If you get done worshiping, you're like, song was all right. I mean, piano player was a little off, a little pitchy, but you know. We get through it. It's okay. I mean, the worship was okay. I'll give it a B plus. Now you made the worship about you. It was never about you. What we did this morning was magnify and glorify God. If you didn't engage, that's on you. Right? And it's not based upon our emotions or our feelings. You have to engage. Right? You have to be involved. And so we declare and acknowledge the perfection of God in an imperfect world. And then I renew my covenant. See, you ought to go out today because we've gathered together. And hallelujah, we're still gathering. Amen? Can I give a... Thank God we're still gathered. We're still meeting in the name of Jesus because we're stronger together, 
right? But when you go out, if you go out the same way you came in, you miss something. Hear that. If you go out to your car and you have the same fight with your wife that you had on the way in, you miss something. Because it don't matter what you're having for lunch today. What matters is in your heart. Right? It doesn't matter. Things just don't. You got to figure out what matters most. And we got to come in. We got to, every time we enter into the house of God, it's God, change me. God, stir me up. Draw me closer. Do more in me today than you've ever done. God, I want that. I hunger that. I long for that in my life. That's worship. So today, I want to read a little bit in Nehemiah 13. And we'll talk about how this book wraps up and things we can learn from it because this is important. This is going to be, and I know you're thinking, man, I hope he just goes quick because I got stuff I got to do. But I'm telling you what, you're going to miss something today if that's your attitude. I'm telling you, the Lord has a word for the church today. If you'll listen, and I'll listen. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anyone. And it's time the church stop going through the motions of just a sermon and a singing service and go home. We need to move to action. We gotta ask God to stir us up and be the church that God's called us to be. Nehemiah 13, on that day, beginning verse one, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. And it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, for they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but they hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. And as soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all of those of foreign descent. Now before this, now follow me here, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, and who was related to Tobiah, you hopefully remember that name. If not, we'll review it in a moment. Prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, the tithes of grain, wine, and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priest. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And I then discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. Now, again, remember the context. This is the memoir of Nehemiah. So what he's telling you right here is that he went back to Persia. He said, when I went to Persia, things went sideways, and I came back, and here's what I found. How long was he gone? We don't know. But we know that he was in, in Israel. He was in Jerusalem for 12 years. Remember from chapter 1, cupbearer to the king. Can I go back and rebuild? So in 12 years, he's in Jerusalem. This tells us that he's left to go back to his post as cupbearer, and then he said, can I go check on my friends in Jerusalem? And he comes back and he finds a mess. A mess. How quickly we can slip away. How quickly have you made commitments to God and turned your back on what you told God you would do? It's human nature. We need God's help. While this was the, uh, let's go to verse 8. So he finds out what they've done for Tobiah. And I was very angry. And I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. This is like reality TV gone sideways. 
he goes to the church and he throws all this furniture out in the front yard. Then I gave orders and they cleaned the chambers and I brought back there the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled to his field. I confronted the officials and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and I set them in their stations. Jump down to 15, 15. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Verse 17, we'll skip a verse. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you're doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? Did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on the city? Now you're bringing more wrath by profaning the Sabbath. Verse 22. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath holy. Remember this in my favor, oh my God. Spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. In those... In those days also... I'm sorry, give me a second here. I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. I confronted them. I cursed them. And I beat some of them. I pulled out their hair. He's mad. And I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, you shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for their sons or for yourself. Verse 28. One of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat. Remember him? The Horonite, therefore I chased from him. Remember them, O my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood of the Levites. Thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I establish the duties of the priests and Levites, each in his work. I provided for the wood offering and appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O my God, for good. Well, it's not a happy ending, is it? We love those movies. You, know, you ever watch the movie and the hero doesn't win, and you just like, I can't even believe I just spent two hours watching that. I mean, the bad guy wins, or something goes sideways. So I, in, in, my, in my reading of this and studying this this week, I thought of several sermon titles. I thought I'd share with you all of them. The first one was Compromise, and I thought Broken Promises. That's appropriate from what we just read, Right? I mean, do, does everybody, are you picking up on the feel of this chapter that Nehemiah went to Persia? He goes back. I mean, we just promised five minutes ago what we would do. We've already forgotten what we told God we would do. We already forgot the promises 
of God. The Sabbath, the Levites, the house of God, we're already marrying these foreign people. Our children don't know the language of God. And Nehemiah's tore up. He said, Pastor, you seem tore up today. It's brokenness. Nehemiah, he's, he's unbelievable. So then I thought cycles, Wednesday night people, you know what I'm talking about. Here we, right? Then I thought, here we go again. That'd be a good title. Could have called it Idiots. Didn't do that one. I didn't think a hot mess would be a good title. Because that's what the Hebrew children are. Then I thought, have you lost your mind? Because clearly they had. Then I thought, what's wrong with you would be a good title. But I landed on this. Spiritual amnesia. The Old Testament. I, I should say the Bible is full. and I don't know. I see it everywhere now. Man, I'm telling you what. We are real quick to say, God, we're in. God, I'm in. God, you got me. God, you can count on me. And we're no better than Peter standing by the fire. Who's Jesus? Jesus. I don't know who Jesus is. Right? Some people may even, I know this may seem simple, and maybe you think I would never do that, but some people may even ask you something as simple as, is your church still gathering? You go, I'm not telling them yes because I'm afraid what people might say. I don't want to let people know that we're gathering because then, you know, then I got to explain it and then it's a big deal. Then we're having a mass conversation. I just keep silent. And isn't it what the enemy wants us to do is to shut up? Doesn't the enemy want to keep the church quiet in this day? And I think it's time that the church rise and say Jesus over and over and over and over. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Can we do that? We can't be silent in this day. So Nehemiah returns to Persia. It's 12 years. And how we know that is chapter 2. It talks about in the 20th year, chapter 13th, in the 32nd year. So we know. So we're not sure how long he's been gone. But this is what we know. That the children have been raised and can't speak the language of God. They've been learning the other languages of the foreign people, so it's, it's, it's been a minute. So let's talk about this. So Nehemiah points them to the standard which they've lowered, and that's what my heart's cry is for us today as a church, that we make a standard, right? We have a, we have a mountaintop experience. God has spoken to me. I'm going to do whatever it is, and it doesn't take long before we compromise that standard and we lower it. We're influenced we forget for whatever reason. And I want to encourage you today and challenge you today to recommit again. Raise the standard again. Walk in what God has asked you to do. And I don't care if you've fallen seven times. Get up eight. Get up. Get up. Be determined to fight. Don't, don't, don't go and stand before God one day and say, well, I just fell down and thought I'd just stay there. That's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy today is speaking to some of you. Just stay down. I know you said you'd pray. Just stay down. You'll never be a prayer warrior. You'll never be a student of the word. You'll never influence. And that's a lie. Because God's calling us upward, higher, better. It's going to take a lot of courage to step into what God's calling us to. I'm asking you to look at that today. So the first thing they forgot was God's word. So what does Nehemiah do? First day back, let's read the word. 
Can I encourage you today? You got to get in the Word. I, I can't tell you that strongly enough today, is that you need to be in the Word. Can you hear that? You need to be in the Word. Well, I don't understand it. Then let's have a conversation. Let me point you to something that you can understand. And that's the devil too. Oh, it's too complicated. It's God's Word. And God loves you. He wants you to understand it, but don't avoid it. And can I tell you, Everything happens to try to distract you from the Word of God. He'll want you reading 20 Charles Stanley books before he'll read your Bible. Hear that. I'm guilty. Some of you are guilty. Book, 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 book. What about his book? What about God's book? We need to be in God's Word. Don't forget your Bible. Please, there's nothing better for you than to read God's word. They forgot who their enemy was. Remember in chapter four, we just read about Sanballat. We just read about Tobiah. They're hanging out with these guys now. But just a few chapters, a few years back, Sanballat heard we were building. He was angry and greatly enraged. Tobiah is the one who said, if a fox goes up, it'll break down. They have forgotten how easily we compromise and start making agreements with the people we said we'd stay away from. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, there are some people in your life that are not good for you. Are we supposed to love everybody? Yes, but there are some people in your life that are pulling you away from God, not towards God. I'm telling you, you better love them and pray for them, but you don't be so closely associated with people who pull you down. Can you hear that? And I understand, you, 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 well, we got to love people. We got to encourage people. We got, yeah, you, you got to do that. But there's some things in your life. See, I, I think we, we've become this, um, these, these Christians that say, well, we, we, because we have to love everybody, we have to tolerate everything. No! No! Can you hear me say that? No! Don't compromise. Well, I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm hanging out at the, the bars because I just want to show them Jesus. No! I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, you know, I, I, I know that God doesn't, you know, they're bad for me, but I'm just going, come on, church. Let's have us, right? Can we, why have we, why have we thought that being closed-minded is so bad? Especially if it's the truth. If somebody tells you you're closed-minded, but you're, hey, the sky is blue. Oh, you need to be open to other ideas. What? Uh, open to other ideas? Right? We need, we need to walk and live in the truth. They forgot the house of God. So I want you to picture this for a minute. Tobiah, the enemy was now living in the house of God. Instead of storing the grain, instead of storing the tithe, they brought Tobiah into the temple. They threw all the offerings in the road and they made him a plush apartment. A deluxe apartment, I don't think it was in the sky, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Tobiah now is living a fine chamber in the house of God. And Nehemiah walks in and says, wait a minute, this guy hates us. So the guy that hates us, you've thrown out the offerings of God so that the guy that hates us can live in the house of God. They forgot they 
forgot, they forgot the Levites, right? Remember we talked about, we talked about last week how the Levites were to be supported by the people of God, how the people of God would tithe and give their first fruits and their offerings, and the Levites would live on that money. They were vocational ministers. They worked in the temple. But because they weren't bringing their tithes in, the Levites went farming. The Levites had to eat. Hey, pastors got to eat too. Ministers got to, the Levites have to eat. So guess what they did? Went back to their fields. Now, Tobiah's living in the house of God. Where are the Levites? Not there. Nehemiah comes back to town and says, oh man, I bet they're rolling. We got that wall built. God did this great thing. Last time I was there, we dedicated the wall. We had choirs on the wall. My goodness, we read the word of God. The spirit of God came and he comes back and Tobiah's in the house of God and the Levites plow in the field. Oh, and Nehemiah's broken and God is broken. How quickly, church, we can forget and get our priorities sideways. They forgot the Sabbath. Remember, the Sabbath was this sacred day. The Sabbath was this holy day. But it had just become another day. It says, I saw people trading wine presses on the Sabbath. They were bringing goods and selling them on the Sabbath. They were profaning the Sabbath. The Sabbath, this day that they had just reminded themselves. Remember, if you know your Old Testament and all, remember what God said? Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. God should get a day. Why is it that we think that's asking too much of God? Why is the one who gave us everything, right? If I give you a million dollars and I ask for 10 back and you go, I don't think so. What is wrong with you? What is, what is, what is, what is wrong with you? When, when, you got, when, when, when God has given you every, every resource and finance, Look at the way we dress and live and the cars we drive. And God says, hey, 10% to the house of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Too much, God. That's like a tenth. Yeah, that's what 10% is, right? Right? Could it, we become so selfish and so self-centered. The Sabbath became just another day. They forgot their families. This is what tore me up as I was reading. I knew it was coming. The Jews had married the women of Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab, and half the children spoke the language. I'm telling you what, I read that the other day in my office, and it's on me now. They could not understand the language of Judah. They they had such disgust, they had forgotten God so much, they couldn't teach their children what God had done. Parents, what are we doing? Families, what are we doing? You bring them to church, the church will do it. It's not the church's job. It's your job. Are you teaching your children how to pray? I got to ask that question for myself. Am I teaching my children the language of God? Am I teaching my children what worship, what what adoration looks like? See, I'm accountable. That's the one thing they don't tell you when you have a child, right? Is that you want to stand before God. That makes you, that makes you, young people, before you have a baby, understand that. You'll stand before God. 
on, on the stewardship, how you manage your children. You will stand before God. They had forgotten God so much they couldn't even teach. Because how basic is the language? How basic is the language of God? Even the basics. We had forgotten God has been so good and we forget so quickly. Do we not? We, God's been so good to you. And you hear me say this all the time. We come into worship and we're like, okay, man, I hope, it's, I hope this is good today. Stir me up because, you know, I just got stuff to do. And Hey, we forget God's been good to you. Can I get an amen, God's been good? Right? If you don't agree with anything I say all day, you've got to agree with that. You deserve any step outside of hell is the grace of God. You hear that? Any step outside of hell is the grace of God. More than you deserve. I'm a sinner. Separated from God. But God in his love and his kindness left the 99. Said, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And here I am. What? I'm a nobody. But God says, no, no, I love you. You're my child. Isn't it beautiful to know how much God cares and adores? It's better than you deserve. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. It's better. It's better. It's better than you deserve. So how are you reciprocating the kindness of God to your children? What are you teaching your children about the things of God? And I tell you what, I fight this every day because I happen to work at a Christian school and I have parents that say, I drop them off there. Shame on you. Shame on you. I drop them off at a Christian school. They got, they're in a Christian school. That's enough. It's not enough. It's on you. It's on me. Well, you, well, well Pastor, you're, the, you're like the principal over there. Shouldn't you be exempt from that? It's on me. My children are on me, and your children are on you. And can I just say something? Because some of us got adult children, and I'm finding out that parenting doesn't stop. I kind of thought they'd leave and we'd be done. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? It's like, wait, now wait a minute. Somebody said they leave, and then I'm empty nester, and I get the woohoo, but that's not happening. <laughs> they still call. And can I tell you something? Listen, and I love it, but here's the thing. You still have to teach them the things of God. You still have to show them God. When's the last time you gave your an adult child a Bible verse that stirred you up? I'm, I'm talking to me right now as much as anybody. When's the last time that you talked to your children about how good God's been? We got to do it. We got to do it. Don't want your children to forget, right? And can I tell you that seasons change? We change. You say, oh, man, I've never done that, and that will be just weird. Well, just get weird. <laughs> good night. We're so, we, can I just, I'm going to pause this part and talk about this. We're really still all middle schoolers in adult bodies. Well, if I, I mean, if I text my child, they'll be like, what a Jesus freak. Are you kidding me? Are you 12? Do you really care what people think about you anymore? Can we just get over that? And can we just care about what God thinks supremely above all? What I care about? What my God thinks about me. I mean, I want Bridget to like me, but I really can't care. I really can't. I mean, you say, Pastor, you clearly don't care. You have lost your mind this morning. Right? If I'm trying to be popular, 
I've lost that battle. But I want to be right. I want to be right. Because one day, all this burns up. One day, none of this matters. One day, your 401 means nothing. One day, your car, your boat, your vacation, your timeshare, whatever house you have, the kind of floor you get, none of it matters. None of it matters. But what you do for eternity will matter forever. What you do to honor God, to further his kingdom, to deepen the roots in your children, in your family, and the people you come in contact with. I would tell my waitress, God bless you, but that'd be just weird. I would ask my waitress what I could pray for her about, but I don't want to come across as one of those people. I want to be known as one of those people. Man, how great would that be? Man, that Craig Smith, he just talks about Jesus all the time. My goodness. Why would that be such a bad thing? And so we need to focus on what really matters. What really matters is the language of Judah, the language of God, and not be watered down and compromised. They forgot. Listen to this. So one of the sons of Jehoiada, listen to this now, follow this family line, the son of Eliashib, the high priest. Remember Sanballat? Sanballat hated him. Now the high priest grandson is married to Sanballat's daughter. The families of Sanballat and the high priest had a wedding. Compromise is a killer. You understand that? And how many times have you said, we'll just do it one time, won't do it again. It becomes two. I'll take a day off. I'll do this. I'll do, we'll just compromise. Can I tell you, if you turn out the lights, it feels dark for a minute, but then your eyes adjust to the darkness. If we're not careful, church, we will adjust to the darkness of the world. Are you hearing this? We will adjust. The church will adjust, and we will slide. Listen. To the darkness. And I'm telling you what, we need to stop it. We need to stop it. I don't know about you, I'm not trying to be popular. I want to raise a flag and say, here we are, the light of God, bright and pure and holy and true, and it's about Jesus. And it's like, and this happened, this happened a long time ago. People said to me when I was leading music years ago, you got to take the blood out of the hymnal. That's what people say, you take, it's too gory. Can't talk about the blood. Don't sing about the blood. The blood's gross. N new people don't want to hear about the blood. Are you kidding me? There's no hope without the blood. Right. Can't take the blood out. We're not taking the blood out, not taking the cross out, not taking the Bible out. You understand? We're going to stand for it. We've drawn the line in the sand and we're not crossing it. You hearing that? So we're not compromising because it'll kill. Compromise kills. It'll kill your family. It'll kill your heart. How many of you said something like this? You thought, well, I know that this is a, a bad habit, but I'll just do it one time. I'll just have one chip. <laughs> Come on, Thanksgiving just happened. I'm just going to have one cookie. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Next thing you know, the plate's gone. Then you say, Lord, what have I done? Then you came to church last Sunday and confessed your gluttony. You understand how that works? And, and, you know, I know it's a funny analogy, but we do the same thing. 
We do the same thing. I know God wants me to do this. I'll do it later. There may not be a later. There may not be a later. For those of you that got these round to it, you better start getting round to it. Because we're not going to be here much longer. You do not want to stand before God with a handful of round to it. Nobody's following now. You following now? I'm just wrong. <laughs> so Nehemiah gets righteous anger. He says, I discovered the evil. I was very angry. I pulled these out for you. I was, you see the guy with that steam coming out? I was very angry. I confronted officials. All of you, look at the bottom. I will lay hands on you. You, be, you knew that was in the Bible somewhere, but you didn't know where. There it is. If you don't stop, I'm going to lay hands on you. You've told your children that. Now you say, hey, it's biblical. <laughs> Me laying hands on you is biblical, right? I mean, Nehemiah is upset. He says, I warned them. I confronted them. I warned them. I confronted them. Nehemiah did not care if they thought he was saying the right thing or not. Nehemiah walks into a situation. Because now watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. Here's the thing. When you confront something, if you confront it in your opinion, nobody cares. You confront it God. You know what I'm saying? So hear this today. So you're saying, Pastor, you're being, you're being awful strong today. You're throwing it down. I'm just giving you God's word. I'm just a messenger. You can't kill the messenger. You, take, you have a problem with the truth, you take it up with him. I'm just, Nehemiah came in and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We as a group decided we were not going to profane the Sabbath because that's why God, we, we made a covenant to God. And we broke the covenant. So he came in to declare what they had already done. And he did not worry about being popular. He did not worry about being right. He just worried about proclaiming what God had already set forth prior. You hearing that? So if you're not being or becoming who you want to be, you ought to get mad about that. If the devil is ruining your marriage, you ought to get mad about that. If the devil's in your mind, you're still hanging on to anger and bitterness and jealousy and pride. You ought to get mad about that. Because God has set me free. Is the blood enough or not? Is the Holy Spirit power, is it enough or not? Are we going to do this or not? And he's enough. He's enough. And we got to get mad about it. We got to get mad about it. Right, right. Can, can I tell you, for example, you want to get stronger. So I'm going to start lifting weights. Well, it's hard. If you got flabby arms, get mad about it. You got to get old, you got something in your life you want to change, get mad about it. Do something about it. Then Nehemiah does. I threw out the furniture of the chamber. Jesus flipped tables. Nehemiah's throwing stuff out. He's like, see that couch? Front yard. Lazy boy of Tobias, Goodbye. Plasma screen, plasma screen, how old am I? Plasma screen TV, out the front door. Go. Yeah, but he's got a pretty cool Wi-Fi in there. He's got a cool video. Out! It's the Lord's house. I'm not going to have this. Tobias, stuff out. And I brought back the vessels that belonged to God. I gathered them together and said, what are you, dadgummit, we're going to start tithing again. Bunch of sinners. I, love, I don't know about you, I love it. Maybe I got a little Nehemiah in me. He just calling them out. I appointed treasures, right? They're opening up the doors. It's flea market. It's the Sabbath. He says, shut the doors. 
Lock the doors. And that's where he said, you let them in the door on the Sabbath day to have a flea market on the Sabbath day, I'm going to lay hands on you. You're not coming, you're not coming in here. You just take your pickup truck with your watermelons and you just pull on out. You're not selling stuff on the Sabbath. We're not going to profane the Sabbath, what else did he do? I commanded to leave everybody, purify themselves. Listen, I confronted, I cursed them, I beat them, I pulled out some of their hair. Well, that can't be little. That is, he really did that. People said no. Nehemiah said, come with me. And he's jerking them out by the hair because we're going to get back to where God wanted us. Now listen, that's going to be hard because when you want to get back to where God brought you originally and you got to get back, it's going to hurt. See, when you compromise and when you agree with the devil and you start living a lie and you start going down, listen, when you start going down a different road that God never want you on to get back to where you want it, it's going to cost you. That is good preaching, Pastor. See, see when you wonder, see, we, the grace of God, it's, it's amazing. It's painful, though, because I've experienced it. When you go down the road, God never intended you to go down, and you finally have that realization, and you say, God, forgive me. God, bring me back. He'll bring you back, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But the good news is he'll bring you back. He'll bring you back. He's not going to let you go. That's the good news. Instead, See, he's not a father that says, oh, you're going down that road? Help yourself. Goodbye. Mm -mm, that's not my God. My God says, come on back. What's wrong with you? You know down there is death and destruction and decay. Come on back. And then at some point, his love draws me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, like the prodigal. What have I done? What have I done? But can I tell you, that's going to cost me. That trip back, it's going to cost me. i got to surrender my pride. i got to lay it down. i got to follow my face. i got to say, oh, God, what have I done? See, that's where you got to get. You come broken before God, watch God put you back together. Watch it. Watch it. But that's the thing we've got to get. To that point, Nehemiah said, I chased them, I cleansed them, and can I just tell you, it's time to do something. Can you get it? Can you hear that? It's time to do something. But I love in the middle of Nehemiah 13, Nehemiah has these little, we'll call them uh, uh, text message prayers, little short prayers. Verse 14, remember me, O God, that I have done for the house of God. Remember me in my favor, O my God. 22, remember them, O my God. Verse 29, remember me, Oh, my God, for good. You never get too busy to pray. In the middle of moving, in the middle of acting, in the middle of chasing what God wants you to do, don't get too busy to pray. He did everything for God. He did everything for God's people. So what about you? What about you? Say, so what, a, what a story. What a messed up people. Can I tell you, Nehemiah 13, that's you and me. That's you and me. That's America. That's our country. That's our community. That's South. That's Southport. It's where we live. It's where we are. But God's looking for a group of people to say, "I remember. I remember. I remember. I know what I said I'd do, God, and I'm going to keep doing." Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what you told God you'd do? Have you forgotten what God said to you? Have you already forgotten? Right? We got spiritual amnesia today. What actions does God want from you? Would you bow your heads? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. 
We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day, and always remember that Jesus changes everything.